Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to a Cinematic Universe minisode. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and joining me to bridge the gap between our Supergirl and mystery men episodes are sir patrick and james hunts yes that was kind of a, a, an announcement of mystery men because we didn't have the tag in place last week we're very organized yeah <laughs> well i mean listeners peek behind the curtain that was to do with our slight uh not knowing whether we would be able to cover glass or not um i think what we've settled on is that there will be a bonus episode on glass coming up soon uh which spoiler alert I really enjoyed. So I don't know, I don't know what all these critics are talking about. With their, you know, <laughs> so-called it's, critics. These so-called critics. Shyamalan didn't make it for the really critics. Boring. He made it for the fans. Yeah, he made it for Joe. <laughs> no, no, no I, I'll tell you what. Shyamalan made it for himself. And that is no <laughs> bad thing as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so yeah, Mystery Men will be our next episode. And um, stay tuned for some glass bonus stuff. Because, guys, it's a glassinating movie. But we'll move on to our... Uh, comic book movie and tv news now um and chaps i think there's there's only one place we really can start and that is the oscars because like every other year we've seen superhero movies showing up in the vfx category and infinity war <laughs> has been nominated for uh, best visual effects so what, what did you think about that <laughs> i thought those visual effects were one of the main reasons to go and see that film <laughs> uh of course black panther was uh nominated for best picture at the oscars this week which is uh kind of crazy uh but i mean and, and i don't think we should forget how crazy that is even though people have been expecting it for a while but the fact that black panther has become the first superhero movie to be nominated for best picture is remarkable uh one of seven nominations that it received in total um and guys, when you think about it, the category at the Oscars was expanded from five nominees to up to ten back in 2009, I believe, as a direct response to The Dark Knight not being nominated and the, I think, probably fair accusations at the time that that category was becoming kind of out of touch. You would have films like Milk and Frost Nixon, which are, you know, perfectly fine, but, <laughs> but probably... They're no, they're no Dark Knight... Well, but probably forgotten about a long time after, whereas the films that audiences were really caring about and actually had, like, critical support behind them as well, by virtue of being genre movies, were kept out. Now, obviously, Black Panther has benefited from, um, I think, a, a 
a, a shift in the way that uh, the Oscars look at films over the last two or three years, especially in terms of diversity, uh, but also opening up a little bit wider. But you still do see like um, genre films like Hereditary completely shut out of the Oscars, despite being, as far as I'm concerned, the best film of last year. But uh, what do you reckon about Black Panther being nominated? Pretty, pretty remarkable, I thought. <laughs> Seb? Sorry, I was. I thought, thought you were going to say something. No, it's, I mean it was. You know, I was. I was. I was really excited when I saw that. It, I think I didn't expect that it. It would just because it, you know it was something that I don't even think it had crossed my mind that it would be a possibility. But so often when you're watching these nominations, what happens is you expect or, or hope for something to come up, and then it doesn't, so you get annoyed. Uh, whereas in that instance, it was like, oh wow, that has been. Um, I mean, if I if I'm going to be slightly um, grumpy about anything, it's the fact that I I do think that having a separate best animated feature category mm. has avoided them having the difficult question of whether or not Spider-Verse should be nominated for best picture because yeah. frankly for what it does for its area of the medium um it should be as well but because they could nominate it as, be- as best animated um the you know they've been able to just put it there and it's going to be I mean, really funny when it doesn't win um, i don't think that's ever the kind of film that the academy are no, thinking about for. no i mean and I, I think that and that's the thing about black panther and it, it's not it's tempting to look at black panther as oh that's the superhero movie that got nominated because it's the I don't just want to say because it's the black one, but, you know, because it's the film that allows kind of white people to feel good about uh, about racism, uh, as so often happens with kind of Oscar-nominated films. And I don't think it's no, that, Seb, actually. Seb, Be- that's, that's Green Book. Green Book also <laughs> <Yeah>. nominated. <laughs> I think what's, what's key with Black Panther and what sets it apart, I mean, you know, we... I think you know when we were discussing our, what we thought were the best films of the, the categories that we cover last year... I had Black Panther third. I, I I had Infinity War ahead of it. It doesn't mean that I think Infinity War is a film that should be nominated uh, for Best Picture Oscar. Although I, I wouldn't have thought it would have been undeserving if it had. I think with Black Panther, um, what it what really stands out about it, it is not just you know the the cultural impact that it's had. Although that's a big deal, and it's not just kind of um, you know what it did in terms of representation and giving people a voice. Although it did that as well. I think it is more the fact that it's. Um, you know, it's a superhero blockbuster that was about the things that it was about, and the, and you know that it basically was sticking two massive fingers up to to white imperialism and not being like subtle or or hinting about it, but you know it, ju- it just being blatantly there in the text. Hmm. Um, you know, so I th- I think that is a is a really key factor in terms of it actually having something important and powerful to say means that you know even though maybe there are there are points in the last act where it drops off a little bit um you know as we've discussed kind of over and over and as we discussed on that awards episode you know it's not that it's that it's perfect at what it does it's not that it's the best ever example of this genre um but if you think of the kind of thing that i would think deserves to be up there in the oscars conversation um because it you know it's just had that cultural impact and just just had conversations around it ever since it came out um it's such a big deal um and you know it is one of those things where look if if black panther wasn't going to get nominated for best picture nothing in this genre was ever going to get nominated for it that's fair uh the other categories it was nominated in uh best original score best original song for all the stars best sound editing best sound mixing best production design best costume design um (laughs) So, I mean, uh, some of those are, are fairly deserving categories. Hmm. Like, especially, I think, costume design and uh, the 
soundtrack ones. Like, yeah. And I'm production designers. But I, I think the job they did mm-hmm. with Wakanda was phenomenal. Mm. And yeah, costume, I think when you look beyond the main cast and look at how they're like, you know, that, that scene on the cliff face and you've got all of these different tribes and they're all dressed differently and, and they've all got kind of their own different vibes and some of them are just so striking. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm thrilled to see Black Panther getting the love that it's getting at the Oscars. Uh, Seb, as you mentioned, um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse has been nominated for Best Animated Feature. Um, also, um, the uh, Incredibles 2 has um, <laughs> been nominated there as well. Wow. I mean, Incredibles 2 is good. Um, but, you know, I think I think animated features of the last year, I, I'm not going to quibble with that being in there. Uh, it will just really? be a travesty if anything other than Into the Spider-Verse wins, which is why I've got this fear that Isle of Dogs is going to win it. Um, I I think uh, Spider Verse seems to be doing pretty well at the um at the Build Up Awards, and mm. if you believe the Bucky's is a pretty heavy favourite to win in this category, um, which would be fantastic because this is a, a this is a movie that kind of needs the the support of the Oscars to maybe bump up its box office and mm. bump up its reputation a bit more. I get the feeling that this is this is going to be the kind of movie that once the sequel comes out, everyone's going to be like. The word of mouth will have travelled enough. It will have. It will have sat on Disney Plus and I, um, you know, watched at home. I did read somebody describe it as they think it's going to turn out to be the the Velvet Underground of movies. It's that <laughs> old quote about the Velvet Underground. Not many people listened to them, but everyone who did started a band. And it's like not not many people watched Spider Verse, but everybody who did wanted to work in animation. I mean, relatively, a lot of people watched it, but just not you know, not not compared to probably Incredibles two. Or Ralph Breaks the Internet, which is also nominated. And on Incredibles 2, I will say I think Glass is dealing with some similar themes to that movie. Uh, and maybe does so in a, in a little bit of a more coherent and focused way. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> team, team Glass. Um, okay, so that was the Oscars. I thought we should start off there. Uh, we're going to move over to um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. We'll, we'll kick things off with Marvel. And guys, I've, um, I've, I've sent you over a, a picture in the chat. Um, Avengers Endgame is doing reshoots <laughs> at the moment. And Catherine Langford, the, you know, the, the, the hot young actress who we are, you know, we were saying, could she be Kate Bishop? Uh, it felt like that there was a bit, of a, a bit of a deal around her casting. She posted a picture of herself on Instagram this week with very red hair. Yeah, now the thing about this is is that I assumed that the conclusion that everyone was jumping to was one particular thing, and it turns out that a lot of people are jumping to a completely different conclusion. So <laughs> what what did you think people would be jumping to? Young Black Widow. Which that it is that particular shade of red and she's wearing like a, a, a black shirt, which there's 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 widow vibes there. Yeah. Definitely. And also she looks like Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. <laughs> so so you could you could absolutely see that as a possibility, yeah. And you know whether they you know whether they would Marvel would be thinking, oh, we'll bed in a, a Black Widow flashback when they're traveling through time, and that way we can then have flashbacks in the Black Widow movie as well. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the but the the conclusion that other people are jumping to is she's Tony Tony Stark and Pepper Potts's daughter. Yeah, which. Also, would make sense. No, it wouldn't. 
But it well, so it wouldn't from a perspective of who would that mean she'd be playing? Well, quite. <laughs> well, it's I, I, the re. I mean, unless we're doing multiple. Jump, you know, the, there's a there's a heavy assumption that we are going to see characters from around ten years in the future, and that's based on the age of the actress who's playing Cassie, uh, Lang. Cassie Lang, who is about ten years older than Cassie Lang currently is, um, and, and also the fact that we expect a young Avengers movie will yeah. be in in Phase Four somewhere, so it would make sense for them to have <laughs> some like, young Avengers. Yeah. Eight, but eight, eight, 18 to 25 year old Avengers yeah. yeah but we would have to be jumping 20 years forwards for Catherine Langford to be playing an as yet unborn child of Tony and Pepper also bigger point that a lot of people seem to have missed red hair recessive gene <laughs> she would have to be their grandchild to realistically have red hair I mean also if they were going to do that Pepper Potts' hair is very strawberry blonde yeah not like, it's not that not like Black Widow red, red. yeah so, is there a third option? Is there an? Is, <laughs> no, is there, there are few, two options. Is, is there a? Is there a young Avenger? Not you know who's who's not a Pepper Potts or a or a I, I don't know daughter of Black Widow even which I highly doubt um, that could be popping up in this. I just think she's playing the young Black Widow. I'm sorry. I just, I just think it's. I just think everything points to that. She looks like her. I don't think she's playing a future child of her um, for the same reasons as it wouldn't work for for Tony and Pepper. Um, I mean, the, for me, the thing that she could be something completely unrelated. But I mean, the thing that sort of clinches it for me is that this is like a reshoot. It's not. It's not like she's a main character that has been in the movie in there you know this is this is something small that they've added right in the final round of reshoots yeah Mm. so it's a cameo or a single scene it's not a it's not a big part of the plot thread and you imagine if it's tony stark and pepper potts's daughter she would play a more prominent role yeah and it's also expected that um, Black Widow is going to go in front of cameras in in the next month or two, um, so it would probably make sense for her to uh, to dye her hair now and get get straight into filming that other movie. I do yeah. I do have one other alternative, uh, which could just be that in this that if we let's assume that that we're going to see this this lineup of young Avengers in the future, could just be that she is Kate Bishop, but they've decided to give her red hair. So that she doesn't look too similar to Cassie standing next to her. Yeah, like it, it, it could literally just be a stylistic decision to give the character a differently coloured hair. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think she's playing Kate Bishop, but given that that's what everyone assumed when she was cast, I think that's still a possibility. Assumed slash hoped, <laughs> just because I think we would like to see that character of Kate Bishop mm. around. Okay, um, so that's Avengers Endgame. Um, let's talk about the uh, next Marvel movie in terms of release date. That's Captain Marvel. And now, guys, it's my favourite type of news. It is leaked toy news. <laughs> <laughs> there is a toy. And now some sometimes these characters don't show up in the movies that they're actually toys released for. There is a toy with the name Janice Vell on it which on the back of the packaging uh, says uh, recreate the scenes from the movie, uh, from the se- their scenes with Captain Marvel, so- something along those lines, implying that the character of Janice Vell turns up. Now, 
I am reliably informed that Genisvel is a, uh, a son of an Eternal. And so again, if Marvel had... had, had no. <coughs> Sorry, where? <laughs> reliably informed by who? Oh, the internet, I don't know. <laughs> Unreliably informed was probably the best the best way to phrase that. Genus Vell is Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel's son. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is there a relation to the internals? Um, ooh, good question. Who was his mother? His mother may have been an eternal, I yes, think. Yes, his mother, uh, Elysius, is... Elysius, I oh, know, yes. she's, she's an artificially created being possessing the attributes of an eternal, according to Wikipedia. Um, yeah, I mean, well, that's, you know, that's the kind of crap that was happening in the 70s. <laughs> like, yeah. essentially, she's an eternal. <laughs> Do you know but what? Yeah, I, that's, ca- uh... I kind of feel like this movie is maybe going to be having characters in dual roles, i.e., like, who they actually are and who they actually show up as in... Carol's memories, yeah, uh, I, I, because you know, you know the whole it is. We all expected Jude Law to be Marvel, and and mm. now the implication is more that he's probably Yon Rog. What if he's both? What if she remembers him as Marvel, but he's Yon Rog? Yeah, I think didn't we be. say that as a possibility at the yeah. time? <laughs> yeah, but I wonder whether that's gonna whether that's gonna be happening with various characters. Because surely, I mean, there seems like a lot of stuff is going to be happening in that movie around memory. I mean, the thing is, right, the the toy you're looking at, I've got a picture of it up, and they, Marvel Legends tend mm. to throw in characters who yeah. are sort of movie adjacent yeah. into their movie lines. You know, just to just to pad it out a bit and and kind of sell characters who wouldn't sell otherwise. I kind of think Genus Val falls into this category of like, we're never going to sell a Genus Val toy any other way because he's <laughs> an obscure character who hasn't really shown up for like a decade plus. Yeah, it was. It's just that description next to it that says recreate Genus Val's Captain Marvel scenes with this six-inch action figure. Yeah, but I mean that's a boi- that's boilerplate text from like a product description. It's not yeah, on the yeah. on the back of the thing. It doesn't say anything on the back of the card. You know the box. Sorry, it doesn't say that. It just says it in the online blurb where they or probably be... just plugged in like recreate Genus Val's Captain Marvel scenes, recreate Carol Danvers' Captain Marvel scenes, or whatever. Yeah, and maybe the, or, or maybe it's a character that that kind of is in the background. Like I don't know, like. Amadeus Cho is in the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, skeptical that we'll see Genus Val in this film. Great. Okay. Especially well, that, because that is the, good to know. The toy is using the comics design with Negabands, not the and you know Cosmic Awareness Starfield, not the version, not the Cree Century movie uniform. Uh, this is this is why we bring it to the experts. James has <laughs> torn it all apart. I really like the Genus Val Captain Marvel series. I have I got all of his appearances because I'm that kind of nerd. <laughs> In many ways, Genus Val is your is your Jack Knight Starman. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> oh Seb you were going to tell us more about Starman weren't you? I- yeah I thought we didn't really kind of adequately cover it in the last episode and, and some people on Twitter said they wanted us to kind of elaborate in a bit more detail so 
Uh, yeah, we we've agreed. Seb will never mention Starman on this podcast. We have not agreed that. If, <laughs> if, 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 it, if it is relevant to something we're discussing, if there's a, if there's a Starman TV show, listeners will put it on the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, we'll move on now to um, Marvel stuff, um, but not at, not in the MCU. Um, so we're moving over to Sony. Uh, that Morbius movie is still happening, you guys. Ah, oh, Jesus. And, well, I, mean, I remember you, well, maybe at least Seb, being quite positive about this as a movie that, or a character at least, that made sense. Um, Jared Leto's playing Morbius when you that Oh, already. Jesus. And Matt Smith is now in talks <laughs> to join the film. So, I mean, Seb, he'd be better as Morbius than Jared Leto, to be honest. I, yeah, I, but so would, like, a wooden door. No, but come on, you, you could really see Matt Smith as Morbius, couldn't you? Couldn't you? Uh, have you seen the Terminator <laughs> film he's in? Nope. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should watch that first. Yeah, yeah but didn't it, he? Didn't he get screwed over with that? With like the fact that every lots of stuff was set up that's never been followed up on or something. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's it's a bad movie, and I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> uh, so Matt Smith in Morbius, we don't know who he's going to play. Um, is there any? Is there any kind of? Morbius characters is there a, is there anything that we can expect from a Morbius movie um, or I mean, is it or is it difficult to tell because it's one of these characters they're lifting out of Spider-Man and no Spider-Man I mean Morbius right. I was going to say he, he a leading character. <laughs> he, he's had a couple of his own series like it's not a new it's not a new idea to publish Morbius you know by himself right so so in that case who would be around uh, I'm trying Dracula? to remember who Morbius's son is that that might count I was going to say the ages don't work, but I guess for vampires. Yeah, he's a vampire, fine. of course. Yeah. It's fine. Um, you know, I've only read like one or two issues of Morbius comics and they're not exactly, you know, they don't loom large within the Marvel canon, put it that way. Seb, is there any, anything more you can, sh- any more light you can shed on Morbius? I don't know, because I mean, yeah, I don't know if he's kind of, um, yeah, if there's many... Uh, I don't really know yet what his supporting cast is like. Other than, as I say, I mean, is you know, when he was created and Marvel wanted to do a, a vampire comic, the idea of doing Dracula was discussed, and they didn't. When they did Ultimate Morbius, he had a connection to Dracula. I think he was like his brother or something. It, basically, the, and the Ultimate version of Morbius was much more like Blade, like it was a you know, I'm I'm a vampire hunter hunting down other vampires yeah. because you know um, I feel guilty or whatever. Um, I wonder and if tra- they Dracula's might play up that public angle. domain, right? So they could do Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh like Blade Trinity did. I've got um I've got two potential characters. Ooh. So uh Simon Stroud, who is a CIA agent who has been hunting Morbius since uh Adventure Interfere issue twenty seven, apparently. Okay. So that maybe that. The other the other one is his Midnight Suns ally, uh, Jack Russell, the werewolf by night. <laughs> Jack Russell. Yeah. Jack Russell's the werewolf. Jack Russell. <laughs> Jack Russell the werewolf. Do you know what, though? A werewolf, I think, makes more sense for Matt Smith than a, than a CIA, <laughs> CIA agent. agent. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. The thing, okay. The only problem with that, right, is that werewolf by night is a big enough character that you can imagine them going, 
yeah, we'll do a werewolf movie, Werewolf by Night, in the Marvel Universe. So I don't think they would, you know, knock it out in a Morbius film. It, depend- it, I, well, it depends where the license never is. never heard of Werewolf by Night. That's because you're not a fan of Marvel D-listers, <laughs> like what I am. But I'd heard of Morbius. <laughs> Morbius yeah. is a C-lister. <laughs> I mean... Not a D. He- <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think calling Werewolf by Night a D-lister is possibly generous. Right. But... I can promise you, I'm trying to think what's a good comparison. There I've just been, clicked onto the Wikipedia page. A there have been more Werewolf, Werewolf by Night. Night there, was there have been, announced in 2005, James. Yeah, well, there you go. The, <laughs> there have been the film more, was due to begin filming in 2005, but no further developments took place. There have been more Werewolf by Night comics than, like, in human comics before 2010, say. Like, Werewolf by Night was fairly popular in the 70s because horror was fairly popular in the 70s. In that case, I think you're right and he's turning up in Morbius. <laughs> That's, until we know better, that Jack Russell is who Matt Smith is playing. It fully it fully depends on where the license is because if the license is with Sony, of, fair yeah. enough. If it's with they, Marvel, like, no chance they'll give they, that character away. They have Morbius by virtue of him being introduced in Spider-Man as a Spider-Man supporting character. Does that mean they have the rights to characters who were introduced in issues of Morbius the Living Vampire? (laughs) I'm not sure they do. Werewolf by Night was introduced in in Marvel Spotlight. Well, there you go. I mean, yeah, in which case I'd be amazed if they have the rights to him. This is like um, Fox having the rights to Ego the Living Planet, isn't it? (laughs) Basically. Yeah, who 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 knows how those contracts were drawn up and where these characters <laughs> ultimately end up? It's going to be a little bit less complicated in the coming year, but yeah, the the Sony relationship probably. Um, yeah, who knows how friendly they still are? <laughs> maybe maybe Marvel are regretting playing ball when Venom made all of that money. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, let's move over to DC, and I think this is the no-brainer news of the week. James Wan is in talks to direct Aquaman 2. The Aquaman now the highest grossing yep. DC movie. <laughs> I mean it 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 they marketed it well. Um it's it did incredibly well around the world. Um and it's grossed a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, I mean we will we will be covering it on the podcast um sooner rather than later. But um it's it's while it's a silly movie, it's a fun movie and it's an easy watch and um I think in in very much the same way that, you know, Marvel were like, Okay, Ryan Coogler, take whatever you need, however long you need, just come back and make a Black Panther two. I think DC would be crazy if they didn't say the same thing to James Wan because the money this has made and for all that you might that people might dislike them if some people might dislike the movie um it's undeniably a james one feature <laughs> it's, it, i think it's just just worth actually as well just clarifying in case anyone else isn't clear on this that it's 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 not that it's the highest rated dceu film it is the highest rate it's, it's the highest not rated grossing film based on a dc comic full stop it's outgrossed dark knight rises which was the previous highest it's not. It's not just that it's outgrossed all of the. Yeah, Snyder I mean, ones. admittedly, <laughs> admittedly, like adjusting for box office, it probably sold fewer tickets. I mean, but... Dark Knight Rises was only seven years ago, so yeah, all right. So that yeah, it, as of yet, but by the time it's finished, even adjusted, it, it might have topped it. Which yeah, you know, it's currently the tw- the twenty fourth highest grossing movie of all time. 
worldwide. <laughs> yeah, Dark Knight Rises is the twenty fifth. <laughs> yeah, um, and and so you know it's it's not too far off. Yeah, you look at other film, other comic book films on the list. Um, it's about sixty million behind Captain America: Civil War. So, you know, it's it's done incredibly well. Yeah, there's, it, there's, it, there's no doubt about that. It's Although it's crazy. funny that DC finally get that in the year that Marvel get a film that hits two billion. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's sort of crazy that Aquaman is like the big performer out of all those Justice League characters. Like Wonder Wonder Woman had its own sort of drag on it in that you know there's a certain segment of the audience that is just not going to see a superhero film starring a girl. I, I think I think less that and more that it was this, um, you know, there was a lot of DCEU stink around that time. Yeah, that's also um, true. And also <laughs> the fact that she'd been in Batman v Superman and Justice League, and that it was a and that it was a World War One movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize yeah. quite how low Justice League's was. Six hundred and fifty-seven. <laughs> it made less than Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean it did really badly. Um, so yeah, I I mean I honestly um, I I didn't fall in love with Aquaman or anything, but um, I kind of sat there with my mouth open wide, just kind of going like, "What is going on?" He's talking to a Julie Walters giant sea monster now. <laughs> I think the Brian Kingdom, James, the Brian Kingdom. I think I think what what one of the ways in which in which this is good is that. DC have always had, and more so, I think generally the Marvel, and it is widely discussed this this director driven take on things. Um, the, you know, there has generally been this idea of the films have their distinct identities, and and the directors are allowed to shape that identity. What they don't have is the corporate synergy and a Kevin Feige type figure. And and where they've gone wrong is in trying to allow one director's style and vision to be across a group of films that are trying to point towards a common goal and and you know it's not that i'm saying that there isn't a place for a Zack snyder man of steel among a slate of lots of heavy director driven films it's just that when you make that the the center of everything that you're doing then if there are people who don't get on with that you you've got a problem um, it would be a shame if the the failures of of some of the films of the last couple of years meant that they stopped doing that because I think that is a USP for them and I think they're better served going down the direction of treating the films more individually and getting the films individually right and I think the success of Suicide Squad the relative success of Wonder Woman um, and now of Aquaman you know again whether or not you like all those films I mean Suicide Squad bad movie but you know has that directorial vision obviously now they're putting they've put james gunn on the second one um we've got shazam coming up which i mean you know um, that's good yeah exactly and again looks like it's its own thing it's connected to the world of the characters but you you know you don't look at that and think well that's the latest film in the the um batman v superman justice league (laughs) series it just happens to take place in the same world which is what what i think these films should be doing to distinguish themselves from marvel if they wanted to make a uh, like a team-up movie starring all of the people who aren't in justice league what would Hmm. they call it would it be like an outsiders you can't do the outsiders that's batman um 
decent run. I've, Lots of teams. Justice Society. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, I think, crucially, right now, the answer for DC is they won't. They've got, they've got no intention of doing it because mm. it went badly. Uh, they, they kind of need to, to well, rebuild uh, and regroup. It, it went badly because they did it backwards. Because they went, oh, let's do our Avengers movie first. Yes, so so why start planning for that now? Why not just? Well, no, no. I'm just saying, like, see now, how their movies go. Now that they've done these movies, there's obviously going to be someone going like, "Well, Aquaman made shitloads. People love Shazam. People love Suicide Squad. How can we jam them all into one big franchise and you know have it work?" Like, the reason Marvel did it with Avengers is because they had the Avengers properties, and yeah, but, they carefully Marvel... built it up. Yes, Marvel planned, built it up and planned towards it. Right now, if you say to me, do you want to see a movie with Shazam, Aquaman and Wonder Woman in it? I would say, no, thank you. I'd rather <laughs> see them in, the, in, in their own things because, I don't know, what, what, has, what has Wonder Woman got to say to Aquaman? Nothing. <laughs> there's, there's no reason for those two characters to ever share the screen. And like when I when you talk about well, come on event, come on hang on hang on hang on other than that other than that they are called Wonder Woman and Aquaman no, other, no other than they are both like the royal family slash you know can you actually rulers. imagine a scene where there are no other characters there and Aquaman and Wonder Woman are talking to each other no but if Earth gets threatened and someone goes like. Oh, you know, there's a Kryptonian invasion force coming for Earth. We need to represent the main defenders of the planet, the Atlanteans, the Themyscarians, and humans. Yes, theoretically, plus Superman. Not, like that's that's a reason the, to get them in the same in the same room. Like it's but n- but not with the way that they've not with the way that they've done it. And for me, like when you talk about um, Avengers: Infinity War, like the build up to that movie was. Oh, it's going to be so fun when I, I mean, like, how, what's it going to be like when these two characters meet, and how are they going to bounce off each other? And there aren't many combinations in the MCU where I go, "Oh, I, I really don't think that would work," and that is because of the way that Marvel have made their movies. The fact that I'm, I don't think anyone is clamoring to see how those characters bounce off each other. Like, do I do, again? Yeah, do, do I want to see? Wonder Woman and Harley Quinn together. Right now, based on the versions that I've seen on screen, not really. I'm happier for them to be separate. <laughs> um, I, d- I wouldn't say you're a minority, but I think I would definitely like to see that combination. <laughs> I think maybe at some, po- at some point in the future, it's something that they might, might start thinking about again. Um... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. But right now, I think it, it serves DC well to develop their movies individually and see whether something more organic comes together rather than trying to overly plan anything. Especially given that when they're putting out these movies that are their own things, that don't have wider concerns on their minds, audiences are coming to them. I mean, this is sort of the thing, though. It's not It's not going to ruin Aquaman 2 if he turns up in a, a another film before, right? Because it didn't ruin his own film that he turned up in a stinking Justice League film before. Yep, yeah, but equally, what what's the point of making a Justice League 2? if people aren't there for it the way they weren't there for Justice League 1. That's the point. You know, I sort of I'm, not think... saying, I'm not saying never make another DC team-up movie. I'm saying just get, get your shit in order first. See whether you make a Shazam movie that people like and see whether you make a Green Lantern movie that people like and see whether this Birds of Prey movie turns into something good. Oh, yeah, then, yeah I agree maybe, with maybe that. The way, just, and maybe think... the way to do it is to have like different corners of the universe crossover you know have your have your back characters to get together yeah i mean the thing is they haven't got any back characters at the moment that's sort of the no, problem but if, there but if, if they build towards <laughs> that that's that's my entire point see <laughs> see what happens dc if you're making if you're making money from these individual movies carry on doing it yeah i mean i I think they will do a crossover movie and I think they would be mad if they didn't have a whiteboard with it written up somewhere like how do we get these characters in the same film because that's just the it's just the pop culture wave right is people want to see crossovers and and shared universes yeah so if they don't do it they're going to be leaving money on the table it's just you know how (laughs) how they get to that from what from where they are now Okay, um, well, we'll move on from this, but we'll stick with DC because Patty Jenkins has been uh, talking about the future of the Wonder Woman franchise right now. Um, And in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, she was asked whether she'd be interested in directing a Justice League film. Uh, Jenkins responded, I find those movies to be extremely challenging. I think they're fantastic when when they're well done. But taking all those characters at the same time in the timeline... I sort of hope that we don't do a Justice League movie for a little while because I think that each of those characters are really great. I'm super excited to see each of their own movies. I want to see, I want to see Aquaman 2 and I want to see Flash. I don't know. I would never say never, but I think everyone should have a moment to shine right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, James. <laughs> um, the key from that is that um, Patsy Jenkins was also talking about Wonder Woman 3 which, again, seems like a no-brainer, and you would imagine that when they signed her up to direct the sequel, 
they at least put an option in there for a third one. And she has said that um, Wonder Woman 3, if they make it, would be a contemporary story. So, spoiler alert, guys, she survives 1984. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, good news that DC are in it for the long game with Wonder Woman. Good news that it sounds like Patty Jenkins is planning to stick around. Um, and what do you reckon after 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 two uh, period movies? Do you think it makes sense to do Wonder Woman in the present day? I think it's a dubious enough idea to do Wonder Woman in 1984, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because, you know, can't fight Big Brother. <laughs> Maybe that's what she's doing there, James. Genuinely, right? I think one of the strange things about this is that Joss Whedon, when he came on to Justice League, it might have been Zack Snyder, but I get the impression it was Joss Whedon. He did his best to make the spine of that movie, or certainly her arc, sort of follow up in resolution to the first Wonder Woman film. It sort of feels like no one told Patty Jenkins he was going to do that. Well, do you do you kind of think that... I, I kind of feel like Justice League and everything evolved is going to be quietly swept under the carpet. Aquaman kind of pays lip service to the fact that, yes, indeed, the events of Justice League did happen. But almost, like... There's, there's a point in the movie where I'm like... Where I was like, wait, are they trying to pretend that... That Aquaman and Mira hadn't met before? And they weren't. But they were, they were, they were, you could tell they were what it was, it, certainly, was, yeah. was that James Wan had just written his own movie and then had put like a line in to at least go, oh yeah, and we did speak that one time and we fought Steppenwolf, fine. <laughs> um, it, yeah, I, I wonder whether you just ignore Justice League, ignore it entirely. And also we don't, you know, we, we still don't know what's going on with Chris Pine and, and his involvement in that movie true whether whether it is actually him but like um and the, to be honest so much I, so much of injustice league was like you know you literally had batman talking about uh steve trevor to wonder woman and like as a sort of continuation and resolution of that plot and admittedly she didn't say anything yeah like she just looked sort of angry like like dude you have no fucking yeah. idea not in a way happened. like well let me tell you in 1984 mr like <laughs> photograph checker here's what happened old man street steve trevor's still out there somewhere yeah you've got no idea i would uh, um, i would just like to say that i think if we if we reach a point in the future where as, as james suggested you know we have the situation where um you need to acknowledge the existence of uh, characters and bring people together because there's some big, big kind of earth-threatening threat. Um, I think it's likely that we might hear on the radio that Superman is off on uh, a peace-seeking <laughs> mission in another galaxy. See, I was thinking, you know that scene in The Simpsons where they're interviewing Lucy Lawless and all the nerds are saying, <laughs> a wizard well, did episode- it, yeah. yeah, and they're like, and she's like, well, whenever that happens, a wizard did it. Well, DC's it's going to have a wizard soon after Shazam, isn't it? So yeah. they could actually say a wizard did it and get away with it. I'm, and Superman's vulnerable know. to magic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that won't be a problem because he's not going to be around, I don't think. Well, no, but you could explain that he's disappeared because there's magic on Earth. Yeah, there we go. And Batman's just gone to do CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, really, really CrossFit, like angry, angry fit. Uh, let's move over to TV now. Um, we'll start with the Arrowverse. Seb, 
the crossover for the next season of Ar- of the um, Arrowverse has been announced, and it is Crisis on Infinite Earths. Of course, it is. <laughs> the thing is, like, how many Earths have they got? It's going to be like Crisis on three or four Earths. <laughs> well, I, I, I actually, no. There is something that I mean, as somebody who hasn't paid a huge amount of uh, attention to this to these shows for a while, I they do have re- got a lot of Earths. I do remember that in the very first season of Flash. Yep. Uh, they made reference to the crisis, and at the time we were like, "Oh well, you know they'll do something, but come on, they're not going to do the crisis eventually, are they?" And you know they played a long game. I mean, I'm just looking it up now, and the newspaper was so that, dated 2024, so they've still got five years. But but apparently know. that that is going to be central. So the yeah. the the idea of Flash going missing, as is the case on the paper, and you know and and vaguely following that storyline and the, and a because... Wayne Tech Queen Inc merger apparently as well just looking at the mm. the image of the paper now <laughs> and, and and you know by that time Batwoman will be up and running as a as a TV show as part of that universe and and James to be fair to them they do have quite a lot of earths <laughs> like there's like the Flash, Flash itself has hopped between lots of different ones. Supergirl exists in her own universe. Yeah, they have the they've Nazi done, Earth or whatever. They've it got is. the Nazi Earth. They've got the the Batwoman Earth, which I mean, I, I'll be honest, I've still not watched Elseworlds, but I think that took place on a on a different Earth as well. Um, I, someone's going to correct me straight away and look like an idiot, but I haven't watched it. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, and like, yeah, within the Flash, they've got like loads of Harrison Wellses that have turned up over the course of that show mm-hmm. uh, who all hail from different worlds. So, yeah. I I, I mean, that sounds fun. Seb, I, I would imagine that they won't be able to quite execute the comic story. And, and when they have kind of... Oh, I mean, if I was a fan of Supergirl, I'd be worried. I, I mean, I haven't read the story. So t- do you want to give us a brief overview? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think if there if the, is there a way to sum up Crisis on Infinite Earths. No, you can't. The premise of Crisis on Infinite Earths is um, a being called the Anti Monitor uh, wishes to kind of get power. I don't know. I mean, even that's getting too complicated. No, basically, all of the constituent Earths that the the the, the infinite uh, Earths all get wiped out but a handful of them get rescued at the last minute and merged into one. So characters from a handful of Earths get saved and merged into one. So the outcome of Crisis on Infinite Earths is that there are no longer an infinite number of Earths. There is only one, and only one universe. That's what Crisis is about. So the the article I read mentioned the Monitor and Anti-Monitor as, yeah. you know, likely to be a part of this. Great. it's very complicated I mean it's a 12 issue George Perez and Marv Wolfman series which means that there are a lot of panels uh, and a lot of characters and a lot of things happen I mean it's like genuinely if you you don't know anything about DC Comics you can try reading it and you'll be baffled but if you know a bit I think it does give you enough to understand it's so dense and so massive what it is is properly epic like it it does what it sets out to do and it does what it promises and it is like it, it delivers on being a big huge successful epic um to the extent that it's the reason why 
everyone's been trying to replicate it with every crossover that's happened ever since. Um, now, I don't expect any TV version of it to be remotely anything <laughs> like that. Um, but, you know, it's, it is it is an example of a, a, a massive, you know, thing in comics that actually lives up to the, the reputation and the, the weight that it has, certainly. And I, I just love that... I love how much fun those shows have. I like I like the fact that they just they just throw everything at it, and they've just gone, yeah, okay, okay, we're gonna we're gonna try and adapt one of the most complicated stories in comic book history <laughs> with no budget. Well, with the budget of four or five shows combined, <laughs> they, yeah. the, the budget of four the budget of the entire seasons of four or five shows combined would not be enough to do a single issue of Crisis on Infinite. Yeah, you can't, you can't, the comic. Re- you can't replicate George Perez without money. Yeah. I mean, that actually, that would be the way to do the next DC crossover movie, <laughs> is to do a Crisis movie, because then you wipe out all the bullshit you don't want as well. Well, I mean, that's that's what they were talking about for a time with Flashpoint in the Flash movie, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Crisis uh, on Infinite Earths would be a better way of doing it, especially because then you don't even need to worry about which version of Batman you're using or whatever. You can like give Christian Bale all the money and he'll come back and be Batman for a couple of scenes. You know, <laughs> that'd be wonderful. Get get whichever Superman you want. Plug him in there. I would like Chris. I would like Christian Bale to return as Batman, but in his vice shape. <laughs> <laughs> I just this is one of those things where it's like people will just obsess with the idea of having a reason for for rebooting or changing characters and this is a bigger conversation and not one we're going to go into on a minisode but I just think I think superhero comics and superhero storytelling needs to get on board with the idea that you don't actually have to you don't have to explain every reboot and it's um it's what um i, I mean I, I wasn't reading them towards the end but it's i gather what the idw transformers did with its ending because they end they've ended their continuity and they're starting a new one but they didn't end their continuity by doing a crisis or a flashpoint or whatever and and you know having a big event that wipes out all of those characters and starts again yeah no they, they just, just basically said the they did a big story they did a big story at the end and but what they basically said was these characters still exist they're going to have lives beyond the stories that we're telling but we have stopped telling their stories and that's you know more continuity should do that and should just allow for a new version of somebody or something to be introduced without having to go through all this rigmarole to wipe them out crisis as it stood was was necessary at the time because of everything that had accumulated and the way things worked then you don't need to do that every time you can just say this is our new version. You could just do what James Bond does. Well, there's no movie that universe that has done that. That would be why this would be a good thing for, mm. for DC to actually do it. Well, I mean, that's what I, I'm kind of hoping that the other studios are, are going to start to embrace. The, mm. I, I don't think the MCU can do that. I think the MCU has built itself on, we are a shared universe... We literally made a short movie to try and explain why we cocked up a post-credits cameo in The Incredible Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) We are in on this continuity mess. And, like, I think, you know, they're even feeling the timeline stuff, aren't they? Like, I think Kevin Feige has felt compelled to answer questions about people going, so why was Spider-Man Homecoming set in this year when this happened in (laughs) New York in this year? So I don't think the MCU can do that. But the, the other studios absolutely can just keep Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa 
and Ezra Miller if you want to, and ignore the rest of them. Pretend it never happened if you mm. want to. Just into, introduce a new Batman, and now he's 30, yeah. and no one cares. And that's just, that's just Batman. That's just who Batman is, and just act like he's always been there. Because it doesn't yeah. affect... that. That Doing that doesn't detrimentally affect Aquaman 2. It doesn't affect Wonder Woman 84. It yeah. just means that you can have a better Batman movie next time. I do keep doing Batman. I do sort of think the MCU will do that eventually. Because, like, at some point, Robert Downey Jr. is not going to want to be Iron Man. But no, but I did. Well, the, MCU, the thing is, there's did, ways of doing that in the MCU where you just recasting an actor is a different matter to um, trying to, you know, hand wave. Like, I mean, James Bond is a is a very specific example. But if you want to introduce, like, um, if you want to keep doing Iron Man without Robert Downey Jr., you could recast. I think that's a different matter to trying to just say in all these tangled webs of interconnected movies, oh, um, Iron Man's different now and is and some of that stuff that happened in the past didn't happen anymore, but all of that stuff in those other movies still happened. I think they're too, yeah, okay, I think fair, they're yeah, too intertwined like the, to do that. I think eventually they'll recast Iron Man, but also they're not going to pretend the rest of Iron Man didn't stuff didn't happen. They're just going to be like, here's the new Iron Man. He's maybe got different priorities now. And I hope, and He's I hope maybe not as expensive looking. I hope the different studios embrace, you know, the fact that Aquaman has complete, well, really on its own merit. Yes, he was in Justice League, but that movie didn't make half the money that the solo movie is made, that that probably suggests that Aquaman made its money in spite of Justice League, not because of it. Venom made a load of money that even though he's connected to Spider-Man and was in the Spider-Man movie once upon a time, people went to that movie because they wanted to see a, Von- a Venom movie with Tom Hardy in it. Hopefully the, the studios just go, like, uh, yeah, okay, we'll just, we'll just make movies about the characters we want to make them about. And... If it makes sense to do crossovers, and we think crossovers work, then fine. But let's not all try to be Marvel. There are different ways to do this. And honestly, like I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe being what it is. Um, but I kind of miss the X-Men Universe being a mess. You know? Or I'm going to miss the X-Men Universe being a mess. <laughs> I got us back onto the conversation, didn't I? I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I basically I hope all of them do those kind of things, and getting back to TV. I love that the Supergirl universe exists, doing all of that nonsense, in an interconnected way, but just doing it with such a kind of like laissez-faire attitude. Like, yeah, we're crossing over, but you know, in five minutes, the Legends of Tomorrow will still be fighting a giant teddy bear and. Flash will be back to time travelling and Arrow will be back to being grumpy. It's refreshing. Hey, let's not talk about Marvel or DC or any of these shared universes. Let's talk about some um, some new TV shows based on comics that we've had some trailers for. Seb, I want you to kick us off with The Boys. Yeah, um, so I kind of—I was going to say a full trailer. It is still kind of a teaser, but I think what we'd had previously for the boys was that kind of um, like fake promotional video for Vort, the the corporation that um, that creates and, and owns the superheroes. Whereas this is a trailer that actually kind of shows footage from the show. Um, it's hard to get much of a sense of it because it's kind of really fast 
cuts and uh, it, it looks very violent, which you'd expect. But I think from the look of it, I mean, I'm wary of saying this because it's from the people who did Preacher and Preacher looked like it was going to be a lot closer to the, the plot of the, the comic than it's ended up being. Um, but, it, you know, it, lo- it looks like they're going with what the the comic is about um i was really interested to see one particular shot which shows a particular character in what looks like the cockpit of an airplane which means they might actually be doing uh the 9-11 story which would be uh interesting to say the least because uh, it's the best issue of the comic but uh it's not something i would ever expect a tv show to actually go near um it's uh there was also a glimpse of like stuff like the um compound v which is the 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 substance that essentially gives everybody their powers the various characters all seem to be present and correct they've i think we probably discussed this previously but they made one change to the lineup of the seven which is they've replaced the martian manhunter um derived character jack from jupiter with an invisible character um but otherwise they all look kind of faithfully rendered the main thing seen pissing into a glass here right the yeah the the yeah, the invisible one that's that's shown at one point I don't even know what they've called the character but yeah um, the other thing the main thing that jumps out to me is that the guy I mean obviously the thing with the boys is that is that Huey the lead character was was based on Simon Pegg um, and instead they've cast someone who who looks so much like Michael Shannon it's really <laughs> off putting I keep thinking why is Michael Shannon in it. Um, but yeah, and also I couldn't tell from the snatches of, of dialogue that you get from him if he's actually Scottish in this or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was I was a lot more convinced by the first trailer. The first trailer gave me tick vibes. Mm. Uh, this, I mean, besides the fact it was tweeted by Seth Rogen who is involved, mm. um, it did recall Preacher and that whole like fuck the seven at the end was a little bit like Titans. And well, the difference is in Titans, Dick Grayson was saying it about Batman, who is you know yeah. Batman, and here it's being said about set. Well, I'm not going to say seven six um, psychopathic, like just horrendous people. So it's not like you know. I think yeah, I think the this, show will make clear trailer... pretty early on that these are not heroes. You know. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, do you know it, it kind of felt like the trailer was selling me on like, ah, oh, look how gritty and violent it's going to be. Yeah, um, that's that, obviously that what it's just... going for, but but it's the boys, mm. so that's 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 what it's got in its locker. Um, because I think it's not going to go. What I would hope is that it does. It's a bit like I feel like this is something we said about Watchmen way back when that it does for. Uh, film superheroes what the comic does for comic book superheroes which is to skewer them using references that that you'll get and understand so uh, a lot of what works in the boys is when their analogs are actually kind of well thought out and and line up with characters that you know and and play with your expectations of of those characters and that kind of thing um, it doesn't always succeed at doing that but generally when it's at its best is when it's doing that um so hopefully the tv show would do similar if it just plays for the really obvious level you know these are really obvious archetypal characters and we're not really digging in any further than that then i'm not sure what it's going to have you know i mean what the other thing the boys has is it has good characters because it's a garth ennis comic um but again will they translate i mean i you know I, I I know other people did. I have not found that to be the case with Preacher in terms of being invested in the characters in the same way. So, um, 
Preacher just became for me another one of those shows that when it came to the second season rolling around, I just found it very hard to motivate myself to actually bring it up and press play ahead of any of I, I know I know people who really like service. it um, and I, as I say I, I felt from what I saw of season 2 it just diverged too much and I've read stuff about that it's done in season 3 and every time it feels like it's doing something that's close to the comic it, it diverges in another way I think they made I mean I say a bad mistake the show's still going people obviously watch it but I think they made a mistake with that first season doing that, that slow burn prequel first season and, and making you wait like 10 episodes to actually start to be the plot of what Preacher is actually about. Yeah, I don't and think I think, was a good idea. you know, not just with superhero shows, but with shows in general. You need to hook me in straight away. Otherwise, there's too much stuff to watch. Mm. <laughs> this is why I'm not watching The Gifted. <laughs> James, yeah, you've mean, let us that's... all down by not watching The Gifted. <laughs> I've well, forgotten that The Gifted existed. <laughs> Cloak and Dagger, Runaways. Yeah. These shows all exist. <laughs> mm. I hope they found their audience. It's just I'm not in it. Yeah. We're too old, guys. They're not making them for us. Yeah, Punisher, Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's talk about a TV show that I think we're all at least going to give a crack when it arrives. Nope, because we... I haven't seen, I haven't read Umbrella Academy, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, spoiler alert. It's Umbrella Academy. Um, we got uh, the first trailer, first full trailer for that um, were, uh, popped up this week. And um, the show is premiering on Feb 15 from Netflix. So not far away at all. Um, it really looks like a TV show that comes from the mind of Gerard Way. Uh, not least does because it... it's got Gerard Way doing a song on the soundtrack for the does trailer. Does it look good, though? I think it looks good. Does it yes, look I, good I, if you don't know the Umbrella Academy? Uh, yeah, because I think, well... It looks like a loose adaptation. I okay. mean, I I think, well, what's interesting about Umbrella Academy is how hard it is to remember a lot about it and <laughs> enjoying it. Um, I From the look of this, I think what's interesting about this is it. I think it looks like they're doing a fairly straight adaptation of the plot of the first volume. Uh, but they seem to be bringing in elements from the second volume because it's got Hazel and Cha-Cha in it which is a which is great because they're 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 two psychopathic hitmen with massive oversized papier mache cartoon heads on and they're brilliant um and they're they're, they're probably the most fun thing about the second volume so i think they're probably bringing Shacha in elements is of played both. by mary jane blige for what it's worth oh really yeah <laughs> excellent um so yeah i i think i think it looks fun i think as i say i think the aesthetic is very i think they have leaned into this is from the guy who who is who was my in my chemical romance and he likes grant morrison um, i think you're gonna like it james i really think you're gonna like it i, I think it get, looks fun. i'm definitely gonna watch it yeah it has um, it has that that emo gothy vibe to it <laughs> what Ellen, Ellen, that i have ellen page is dancing around in the trailer robert sheehan is doing his usual thing but it looks fun <laughs> Um, and I say, yeah, the, so the trailer's got Jared Way doing a cover of Hazy Shade of Winter on it. Um, I think it'd be really funny if he's actually like done a whole soundtrack for the whole show, uh, which he probably hasn't. But it was just, but I was just watching it, thinking this this looks and feels very Gerard Wayish. And then I heard, I listened to the vocals, and I was like, that is actually him singing, isn't it? Uh, which what if, you know, what if it the makes whole sense thing, for him to do that. What if the the whole soundtrack album is him just doing covers of yeah. old songs, <laughs> but you know, not really adding anything new to them? I mean, I, th- I think obviously what's going to be interesting is what what we haven't really seen is the characters kind of 
in their in their full form. By which I mean we haven't seen Space Boy, have we? Like we haven't seen Space Boy in his gorilla suit, uh, and I don't know if they're actually gonna go that far with it. But other than that, the look of them when they're kids, the look of them when they're adults, I think it looks like uh, the guy playing uh, it's the seance, isn't it? The uh, the gothy one. I think he looks like he's gonna be an awful lot of fun. Um, yeah, is that Robert Sheen? Is that Robert Sheen? Oh, I mean, oh, is that is, yeah? Maybe that is Robert Sheen, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm definitely going to be watching at least the first couple of episodes of this. But the you know the basic premise of number five goes to the future, sees that the apocalypse has happened, and comes back and is trying to stop it. That looks like that's what the plot of this is going to be about. So, so that yeah. that framework is in place. the 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 death of Hargreaves obviously is the kind of the inciting incident to bring the characters together. They are playing very coy with Ellen Page's character. They're being really careful not to show you anything about her. And I wonder if they're either gonna are they gonna try and play it as a surprise reveal, or are they actually gonna do something different? I, I, I think they could play it as a surprise. Well, and let's not say what it is in case yeah. any of our listeners. I think, for, I think I think the comic is not they, well known enough could. that they yes. can do that. Yeah. yeah, I love the shot by the way, Seb, in the trailer of them all dancing in their rooms and then cutting out, and all of them. You know, you can. It's like a doll's house that you can see them all dancing. They've nicked that from Paddington. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think it's you know I, I think it's really interesting that we're getting this the same year as a as a Doom Patrol TV show. Uh, I think and I think it's 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 good that it's it's good for for Umbrella Academy that it's beating that out of the gates uh, because I think that I think this will probably feel more Grant Morrisony than the Doom Patrol TV show will. Although I, I'm I'm intrigued by the Doom Patrol TV show. I think I think have you um, have you got that far on Titans yet? No. Seb? No, but I've heard a lot of people say that that's a really great episode. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm giving Titans a go because uh, I've been surprised by the reaction to it. So I watched um, two. I've watched two episodes on Netflix, and I would say I kind of like a lot of stuff it's doing. Um, I wish it wasn't going so far out to be so like Zack Snyder gnarly with its violence. <laughs> that's again, that's the thing I've heard as a criticism of it from a few people. But then some somebody told me that um, it feels like in the second half of the season they kind of acknowledge it and dial it back, like they acknowledge it in the show and try to right. dial it back a bit. Uh, I've also been spoiled, not been spoiled. I I looked up a spoiler for uh, what they do at the very end as the post credits as they lead into season two, and that has pulled me in a bit more so yeah yeah that, that looks interesting doom patrol looks interesting but umbrella academy yeah I, I i hope that it's able to um lean into the i don't want to say the wackiness because that has a negative connotation but <laughs> the the fun surreal stuff that it doesn't have to hold back from it because of budget or whatever so yeah um and just as a very final point before we uh, wrap all of this up because we were talking about the Umbrella Academy on Netflix there, according to Rob Liefeld, Extreme Universe is no longer being developed at Netflix and he's taking it elsewhere. No. I don't think we could have survived the Mark Miller universe and the Extreme Universe at at Netflix at the same time, (laughs) quite frankly. It would have been fun to see a Supreme series, wouldn't it? Uh, Would it? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, in the absence of any Superman TV show, it would have been fun. Yeah, there's a Supergirl TV show, James, and that should be enough. 
Yeah, but it's a ve- I mean, it's a very different proposition. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Extreme Universe. No we will not get to, to see this. Rob Liefeld's shaft. Unless it pops up elsewhere. Filthy, Joe, filthy. Um, okay, so that is it for this week's show. Don't forget that our next episode will be on Mystery Men. Um, you better not forget because we only mentioned it an hour ago. Yeah. Um, if you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe. On the subject of networks and things, this might not work actually if people can't listen to it. But if you listen to because because Google Play have apparently got a new podcast thing that I didn't know about and you potentially have to submit yourself for it. If you listen to Google Play and you either can or can't get us on there, can you let us know on Twitter? And then I'll know whether I need to... I mean, I could just go and look it up, but I'm just interested if it is actually something that anyone uses. I could just go and look it up. (laughs) But I don't know if I need to submit us on there, basically. (laughs) I'm just trying to get some engagement. You've got any other admin you want other people to do? Like, (laughs) you know, train times you need looking up or anything? (laughs) Yeah, leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. (laughs) What if, uh, if one of us logs into our Google Plus account, will we be able to access it? If you're if you're able to log into a Google Plus account, then you know, send me a wave. Here's something else you can do for Seb: head to our Redbubble store, pick up one of our T-shirts because they're very cool. Get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter at Cine underscore Verse, where you can just basically do any online tasks that Seb hasn't got around to, or you can send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. We got people to decide what our our film of the year was, so you know this isn't all on me. Yeah, you're right. We can't trust them. In fairness, I had already decided the right answer to that. So it's you two who can't decide. I'm still, I'm still not happy. <laughs> this is the longest outro ever. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.